Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Mental Wellness Wake-Up Show, a weekly podcast where growth-minded, creative people come to learn best practices from both spirituality and psychology that create lasting well-being. I am your host, mental wellness expert, improvised acting teacher, therapist, and coach, Dawn McMillan. Let's get to it. What I want to talk about today are schema. What's a schema? So glad you asked. A schema is a mental framework that helps individuals organize, process, and store information about their environment. These mental structures are essential for understanding the complexities of the world as they allow us to interpret new experiences through the lens of pre-existing schemas. Do you hear it already? (laughs) These mental structures are essential for understanding the complexities of the world as they allow us to interpret new experiences through the lens of pre-existing schemas. So that's great. If you had to reinterpret absolutely everything you encounter, every moment of every day as we're getting billions of bytes of information into flooded into our senses at all the at all times you would never go anywhere or do anything so it's great to know things like uh four-legged creatures with snouts and tails that go woof woof tend to be dogs and um red berries on bushes require caution because many of them are poisonous Uh, When someone says, how are you? Our social schema in this culture is, I say, fine, how are you? Schema are handy. We absolutely couldn't function without them. Unfortunately, many of our pre-existing schemas are wildly dysfunctional. Wildly dysfunctional. And one of the most unhelpful schemas that many of us are walking around with is a defectiveness schema. So uh, Matthew McKay, Michael Jason Greenberg, and Patrick Fanning have a book on Acceptance and Commitment Therapy Act where they list a uh, defectiveness schema questionnaire. I'm going to read it to you. It's very short. And just think of what your answers to that question might be. I am worthy of love and respect, true or false. I often feel flawed or defective, true or false. I feel okay about myself, true or false. Nobody I desire would desire me if they really got to know me, true or false. I have legitimate needs I deserve to fill. True or false? I'm dull and boring and can't make interesting conversation. I count for something in the world. I'm unattractive. People I like and respect often like and respect me. I don't deserve much attention or respect. So you can score that. I'm guessing 
uh, you could figure out which ones, <laughs> if you scored them true, are indicating that you have some defectiveness schema operating in you. What we're looking for is how much your interpretations of the world agree with the statement, I'm defective, inferior, and, and unlovable, some version of there's something wrong with me. And if we are interpreting life through our pre-existing schemas, if we have a schema that says I'm defective, inferior, or unlovable, then we are going to experience the information coming into us from the world in that way. What this tends to make us do is engage in coping behaviors in order to not feel the pain of I'm defective, inferior, or unlovable. Let me share with you some of the most common coping behaviors they come in three major categories. You ready? Overcompensation. Version one, aggression or hostility. You counterattack by blaming, criticizing, challenging, or being resistant. Your defectiveness schema gets triggered by somebody says something and it makes you feel um, unattractive, right? They say they don't like your shoes or they don't compliment your shoes when you went through a lot of effort to make sure they notice them. You might respond by being blaming, criticizing, challenging, or resistant because you are overcompensating for that defectiveness feeling that just got triggered. Dominance or excessive self-assertion. You try to control others in order to accomplish your goals. I think we can think of a few public figures who suffered from that one. Right? These are people who need to have their way and are willing to use other people in order to accomplish their goals because accomplishing their goals is how they try to overcompensate for how badly they feel about themselves. Recognition seeking or status seeking. You overcompensate by trying to impress others and get attention through high achievement and status. Influencer culture definitely plays into that. Manipulation and exploitation. You meet your own needs without let others. Blah, blah, blah. You meet your own needs without letting others know what you're doing. This may involve the use of seduction or not being completely truthful with others. You hide your intentions. You um, tell people what they want to hear in order to get them to do what you want them to do. Passive aggressiveness or a rebellion. You appear to be compliant, but will rebel by procrastinating, complaining, being tardy, pouting, or performing poorly. Um, I had someone that I worked with who used this a lot. They would agree to do things and then just really muck it up so that someone else would have to pick up the slack for them. Fun. <laughs> Uh, the other category is surrender, compliance or dependence. You rely on others, give in, become dependent, behave passively, avoid conflict, and try to please others, and try to please others, and try to please others. People-pleasing is a coping strategy, a defense mechanism against feeling unworthy. 
right? So then we become, I'm worthy because I'm helpful. I'm worthy and good enough because Bob likes me. The one that I personally think is the most troublesome, that's an, an opinion, a personal opinion, not like the professional word, is avoidance, uh, social withdrawal, or excessive autonomy. You isolate yourself socially, disconnect and withdraw from others. You may appear to be excessively independent and self-reliant, or you may engage in solitary activities such as reading, watching television, computer use, or solitary work. Um, this is something that I've noticed a lot in um, Black American women, this uh, excessive autonomy and the whole culture of uh, treating Black people and women people as second-class citizens has this uh, underlying effect of installing in many of us this fundamental sense of not good enough. And so a lot of times particularly in Black American culture, the response is, I don't need anybody, I will do it all myself, because culture has told you, you will have to do it all yourself because we don't care enough about you to be of assistance. I digressed, political tirade over. Compulsive stimulation seeking. I am uh, slightly tempted to name drop at the moment. You seek excitement. <laughs> you seek excitement or distraction through compulsive shopping, sex, gambling, risk-taking, or physical activity. You are trying to avoid your inner state of not feeling good about yourself by overstimulating the body. You buy things. You have you seek sex, gambling, risk-taking, um, other addictions. For example, addictive self-soothing, which is the next version of avoidance that we're going to look at. You seek excitement with drugs, alcohol, food, or excessive self-stimulation. So those are pairs. Compulsive stimulation seeking, you're like distracting yourself. Addictive self-soothing is you're tr often trying to numb yourself or you're grasping after pleasure. And then psychological withdrawal. You escape through dissociation, denial, fantasy, or other internal forms of withdrawal. So a lot of us are going to have many of these, some of these or a few of these, rarely just one. And the reason why I want to bring these up really is about just noticing that defectiveness schema. Uh, Tara Brock would call it the trance of unworthiness, that we think that we are this self, this low individual organism, and that this self is somehow flawed. There's something wrong with us. And in my experience, which admittedly is biased because people come to me who are in distress, right? This is not a sample of all the people in the world. It's a sample of people who seek psychotherapy. But very few people, I think, make it to adulthood without a little bit of sense of, of being flawed. Like, oh, there's something wrong with me. In part, because as children, we're so self-centered. We think everything is about us. So anything that goes wrong, we're going to interpret it as being about us somehow. So go ahead and just allow yourself to acknowledge the ways in which you suspect there's something wrong with you, the ways in which I've listed the defectiveness schema questionnaire statements. You responded in ways that um, correspond to feeling 
not quite good enough, not quite right, kind of defective, not lovable, there's something wrong with me. And give yourself a little bit of grace. Give yourself some grace. One of the things I've started mentioning in session often is when people say, oh, I got triggered, so I did blah, blah, blah. I invite them to consider what it might be like not to have triggers. Our defensive mechanisms, our coping strategies occur when we feel triggered. Perhaps we can start by finding other coping strategies and perhaps we can start redefining our relationship to ourselves and to the world and to other people so that we have fewer triggers to be triggered by. So I want to pick this up next week. It's a little, little teaser about some things to think about. And I want to invite you as you go through the week, notice when you're engaging in a behavior that feels kind of yucky. Maybe it feels good in the moment, but it doesn't sit right, or you regret what you said or did. And notice, did I have a defectiveness schema get triggered? And while you're working on this exercise over the next week, I would like to remind you of a truer truth. You are whole, perfect, and complete, just the way you are. And you are absolutely worthy of kindness, respect, appreciation, and love. So, until next time. I am so honored that you share time with me. If you've listened this far, then something here was of value to you. Would you please be a friend of the podcast and share it with at least one other person? The podcast is available on most platforms, including YouTube, and I need your help to get the word out. So please like, subscribe, and share, and a five-star review on iTunes would be chef's kiss. Thank you so much. See you next time.